1: So welcome back to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. We have gotten taken a step further in our remote recording together.
0: Yes, we have. I have a real setup now and maybe you'll be able to hear me okay the whole time.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. We, yeah, we should uh, give a shout out to your roommate, Emily.
0: Yeah. Go right? Emily
1: because she has a podcast set up because she has two podcasts just just one one at this point
0: yeah the the good old shelf involved podcast entirely Uh unrelated to our uh podcast content but if you're looking for some young adult uh fiction content they're your girls so
1: she yeah she's a librarian who reviews young adult fiction which is amazing Mm mm-hmm with your other friend. Yeah, who has a friend.
0: yes. Yeah, librarian and a a publisher.
1: Mhm. I don't know yeah. if Kenzie
0: would agree with me calling her that, but she has a masters in <laughs> publishing, I think. I'm oh, a bad friend. Is
1: that what it takes to become a publisher? <laughs> so Is it a I degree guess, in it?
0: I guess and like working in the field maybe. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> Tonight we uh are going to talk about uh about this image of God that we're given sometimes—that God is much more concerned about His glory. Um, <laughs> you doing all right over there?
0: Yeah, I just keep knocking the like this Wind this part, and so I was screen. trying to yeah. move it, and now
1: <laughs> it's just
0: um, the pop screen. Yeah, it's is now it's on Amy's face. <laughs> so I'm just gonna. I'm just going to put it here and leave it and just accept that it is impossible to make perfect.
1: Yeah, well, that's all right. And,
0: you know, isn't that what we're talking about today, Kristen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just going to tie it right in. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this we are often given this idea of, like, God cares more. I mean, about perfection. He cares more about his holiness, his glory, his plans, his purposes. than he actually cares about us. Right, and there are all these like subtle ways, and um, yeah, and I think it, we're, we're gonna dig into that, but first, um, the thing that we've kind of talked about is this like narcissistic family system, which is a family systems word and like a family therapy, family psychology term. Um, and Amy, yeah, what tell us a little bit about that term? <laughs> so,
0: we've talked about Um, family systems a bit before right so if y'all are familiar with kind of the idea of a family operating around one individual um, and then you have someone who's kind of like uh, an enabler right the term enabler comes from family systems theory um, or at least the way we use it it does Um, which is, is based on the idea right you have someone who has the original idea was you had somebody who has in addiction, um, generally. Um, we've also applied it to someone having a severe mental health issue. Um, and then you have someone who's an enabler, usually the spouse in that scenario. And then you have all of these different roles that other people can take on. So you have someone who's like kind of your all-star kid who's just trying to make everything seem great. You have like a loner who's just trying to ignore the situation. You've got a comedian who's trying to laugh it all away you've got a scapegoat who we blame everything for right we've got all of these different ways that people try to adapt to this negative situation that's your like briefest of all brief uh family Mm -hmm. systems review So when we talk about a narcissistic family structure, we are talking about a family that exists to respond to the needs of a narcissistic parent, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We use narcissistic family structure to talk about a lot of families um, because... Y'all might have noticed that when we talk about narcissism in culture, there's kind of two meanings, right? We have narcissism as just sort of like a term that we throw around, which generally means someone who's quite self-serving. Um, and usually we're talking about someone who lacks a lot of empathy. There's also something called narcissistic personality disorder, which requires kind of some more benchmarks. Things like a inflated sense of your self-importance, grandiosity, um, Lack of empathy is in there, um, but one of the reasons that a lot of times when we call people narcissists and we're wrong um, is because we're not talking about someone who has, um, like, visions of grandeur, right? We're talking about someone who's cocky and arrogant and self-serving, um, We're not talking about someone who totally doesn't have empathy. We're talking about someone who lacks empathetic skills, right? And that's kind of the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I just always like to clarify that because it's a word that we throw around a lot because it's important that we're really learning that this is an option for how people function. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think what we see in narcissism as a character trait or as a personality disorder is someone's need to be self-protective through self-involvement and image protection canceling out their ability to be empathetic right Mm -hmm. Um, so when we talk about narcissistic family systems we are talking about a family that is structured that way we're not necessarily talking about it serving a narcissistic parent what we're usually talking about is is it's a it's a familial narcissism right everything Mm -hmm. is to protect the family image everything is um, often there's a lot of judgment on other family Family like functioning styles. Um, there's a lot of secret keeping. There's a lot of image protection. Um, yeah. And so you might be able to start thinking about why we would connect this to the way some people function in the way that they mm-hmm. talk about the church. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the part of like what goes into that is. <laughs> That people then because it's most important to keep this good face or to look good, Mm -hmm. uh, then the more vulnerable family members get harmed at the cost of that. Yeah. Right, and so um, that means that a lot of times their concerns and emotions are ignored, or um, and it can even become where it's like if you express a negative emotion, then you're punished for that because that disrupts like the status quo. Yep, yep,
0: yep. And
1: I think like thinking about, um, I mean, that that can be like the whole family system, and then also thinking about a parent. It, uh, that has needs uh, that are, I mean, of course, all parents have needs. I'm a parent that has needs. You have needs? But um, where a parent where they're not able to manage their needs um, through the appropriate relationships um, but instead look, um, a lot of times, without knowing it, to the their children to meet their needs. Right? And I think that yeah. fits in that same. So this could be like it doesn't have to be a parent with narcissistic tendencies it could be but probably like some personality disorder sorts of things but yeah. it's it's really like so focused on myself and my own experience that I can't see my kids and what they need and I can't see the people around me um enough to be able to attune to them and so what happens is how this ties into attachment is in order for us to have a secure attachment we need to know that we can go to our parents Um, And they're a safe haven and they're a secure base and they're attuned to our experience. And so that means that like, when I'm scared, when I'm crying, when I'm worried, um, I can go and I can crawl and I can get up into mom's lap and she's going to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And she's going to give me a hug. Right. And she's going to help me like help me regulate my emotions. Um, And that's the sort of, that's what a secure relationship looks like. Um, But if, over time, we, we learn that, like, my parent isn't actually focused on my experience and my needs. They're more kind of stuck in their own needs. Uh, then it undercuts um, and undermines our, our attachment relationship and our trust, even in a way that, like, even if we want to trust them, we have difficulty. And there's this part of us that learns, like, I can't trust mom or I can't trust dad, even if we, like, want to make that happen. When we think about like this sort of system where, where it's it's things looking good or the parent has their needs, um, it struck me as I was reading uh, some a, a quote by John Piper recently.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the infamous.
1: Um, <laughs> I've been working on a manuscript and um, just trying to pull apart some of the ways that evangelicalism has these subtle messages. Uh, but I just keep on coming back to John Piper in part because he has a really good SEO. Like if you Google anything, like any like phrase of like, you know, my sin keeps me from God or something like desiring God is going to come up. So they just have got the corner on like, well, yeah, I was going to say,
0: I mean, uh, John Piper wrote an entire and very famous, very prolific book and others as well. Right. There's books other (laughs) than desiring God that exist. Um, on the idea, <laughs> right, specifically propagating the idea that it is God's main focus to glorify himself, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's going to very quickly play into what we're referencing when we talk about a relationship that exists to serve the um, importance, right, or the mm-hmm. uh, praiseworthiness or the value of, of one person right Mm -hmm. um god is obviously much 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 more than just a person um so please don't again don't don't at me but to to consider that if we're consider if we're seeing theology from a relational lens that um john john piper's thesis on how Mm -hmm. what christianity is is going to be antithetical in certain ways um to what we would describe as a healthy family.
1: Right. Yeah. Spiritual or otherwise. Right. That, that is such a good point and really gives some good like context and understanding for, for this little bit that I found. Uh huh. Uh, he's having, uh, um, I found it on a blog, um, actually. And so someone said that, uh, they, it's at like hour one fifty five out of like 250 hours of Piper preaching on the book of Romans, which (laughs) is a lot. A lot of time on Romans.
0: It's listen. If people are going to make careers, I'm just gonna I'm gonna defend John Piper for a second. If people are going to make careers out of um like biblical study, then you're gonna you're gonna write a lot, speak a lot of hours on just the book of Romans. There's a limited amount of material in just the biblical text, and so you got (laughs) to expound on that biz.
1: Right? Yeah. Especially Romans. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's probably one of his favorites. It's kind
0: of a big one for a lot of folks.
1: Right. So he's talking about faith. And uh, the way that he explains it is he says, your daddy is standing in a swimming pool out a little bit from the edge. You are, let's say, three years old and standing on the edge of the pool. Daddy holds out his arms to you and says, jump. I'll catch you. I promise. Now, how do you make your daddy look good in that moment? Answer. Trust him and jump. Have faith and jump. That makes him look strong and wise and loving. But if you won't jump, if you shake your head and run away from the edge, you make your daddy look bad. It looks like you're saying he can't catch me or he won't catch me, or it's not a good idea to tell me what he does when he tells me what to do. And all three of those make your dad look bad. But you don't want to make God look bad, so trust him. That makes him look good, which he really is so <laughs> yeah let's let's look at this a little bit
0: god is good right we're starting mm-hmm. there that's a place we we agree with old johnny pipes uh we're mm-hmm. we're on the same page on that from there okay so i live with a four-year-old right not my four-year-old someone else's four-year-old a really great four-year-old top-notch four-year-old mm-hmm a little bit older than the child older than the child to be clear older than the child described (laughs) in this quote slightly slightly but older 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 um Uh (laughs) even (laughs) um and i'm just thinking about um the pressure in that quote that's the first thing i thought of when you sent it to me is is the level of pressure that's being put on the um, more malleable, the more tender, the uh, more fragile and vulnerable party in this situation. The pressure is to maintain the ego of the person who, who is supposed to be modeling and directing behavior and um, and And that's a huge part of like a narcissistic family structure, right. And that's a huge tenet of narcissism as well is that um, underneath a narcissistic underneath narcissistic personality traits is a deep, deep fragility. Um, a deep fragility, right? Because everything needs to be controlled and maintained um in order to like there's just a, such an incredible like self-esteem lack there. Um, mm-hmm. I also hear that quote, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna psychoanalyze John Piper too much. Not but too much. But if you
1: wanted to, you could always look <laughs> on YouTube for uh when he spoke at the 2012 uh American uh Christian Counselors Association. You could. Uh, it's very insightful. If you but wanted anyway. to. Um
0: yeah. but just to say that that what I so immediately hear in that is there's just a like oh baby who hurt you right it's just the idea Mm -hmm. that that um and this is a mistake we make with children all the time honestly it's a mistake we make all the time is assuming that their brains and temperaments and emotions match how we would manage that situation right Mm -hmm. um now that being said like i'm 29 years old and if i was going to jump off something and was expecting my dad to catch me and i like wimped out it would still have nothing to do with him um but to to think that a three-year-old would have should actually like what what this is preaching is that a three-year-old should have the presence of mind um to manage the emotion and image of a of a grown person um and and that's i think about um I know I'm ranting and rambling, but I think about people who are fresh to the church. um, People who are like recently saved or have recently returned to the church. um, Mm -hmm. And the amount that we do this to them um, is the expectation that they're going to handle something that they're going to handle something with ultimate empathy, right? Uh, Often in narcissistic structures, the bird, the entire burden of empathy is on one party, right? Because one The narcissistic party is not functioning with empathy, but they are expecting ultimate empathy and consideration from the other party. Mm -hmm. Um, And how often we do that to folks when they come in and they struggle with something. But we have scripture on that, right? There's scripture that says, like, if something's difficult for someone who's going to stumble, right? That we we Mm -hmm. support them, that we uh, get on their team, that we get on their level, right? This is an incredible, like if I paraphrased the message um, version of those scriptures, but yeah, uh, I don't know. You can talk about it now. (laughs) Yeah, It just disappoints me. I think I feel really disappointed that someone who Mm -hmm. who is held up as someone with like such spiritual maturity and to would, would see someone so like young and fragile in that way.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think it really speaks to this idea of like God Like you have to get on board with God and God doesn't meet you where you're at, which I think is like the exact opposite of like the whole point of like Jesus, like God becoming human, right? Like we just see it right there that like God, like, I I mean, it comes down to like, does like, what are God's needs? What are our needs? Um, I know that there's gonna be that pushback of like, well, God doesn't, God doesn't exist to serve our needs. Um, and then you're like, well, actually, like he doesn't exist to serve our wants. Um, but I do think that He created us and he wants the like the mutual flourishing of all people. And I think what's good, for us is also good for others. Um, We're like all on the same team, kind of like in a family, right? Like my friend Lynn, who's um, older, she's a wonderful Midwest mom. Uh, She has like kids in college, but she's like, I always tell my kids, like, you're an important part of this family. You're an important part of this family of six people, you know? And like, I think that's sort of how it fits with God is like, yeah, it's not all about us. But it's also not, not about us.
0: Yeah, I think that it's asking the wrong question. Mm. Um, I think that uh, everything you're saying is absolutely correct. So I'm not. I'm not. It's not my intention to like contradict you in any way. Yeah, no, we're going to just like stumble Um, through
1: this because it's but thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But to to think about it as who, who's being served. Or who's doing the serving? Um, I think is a very Christian way to consider things. Um, service is an incredibly like important. Um, it's an important like a- Abrahamic value. Uh, it's not an exclusively mm-hmm. important Christian value, um, but but it's important in, in a lot of in a lot of religion in general. Is actually really interesting to just think about like we think about Christianity which plays to the narcissism we have. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the narcissism, a lot of folks have with religion. Um, I also don't think that that's an exclusively Christian issue, but um, to think like, well, we're servants, you know, like we're Mm -hmm. service minded. Everybody, like most, if you pay attention, most religions are service minded. Like most religions are about treating other people well, um, are a moral guide, so on and so forth. Um,
1: Most ideologies you could even say. So yeah.
0: Exactly. Even,
1: like, atheistic uh, humanists it's gonna, like, still, like, volunteer and get together to help so-and-so.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, just somebody, like, look into, like, the service work that Satanists do and, like, get back to me on that because uh, there's actually a lot, the Church of the Church of Satan. Um, it's a different conversation, but it's interesting, <laughs> so Google it. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that we're asking okay so this is where I get into difficulty and I actually wanted to wrap to this anyway so this is a good intro Mm -hmm. I have difficulty um, with the like marital submission conversation um, and lots of folks would like to tell me that that's because I'm not married there's probably a few folks who'd like to tell me that's why I'm not married Um, but I have a problem with it because it's, I just think it's asking the wrong question. Um, It's making relationship about who's serving who and trying to equal out tasks and goals. Um, And, you know, people talk about like kind of equally leaning on each other, right. Versus equally taking from each other. Um, Both are going to support you, right. If you've got two people like holding hands and like leaning backwards, they'll probably get supported. But you also, if you have two people leaning up against each other, um, they're they're gonna be stable um it's when one person doesn't doesn't play by the rules we have problems right um and i think often that's what people are seeing when they talk about like well people have to serve each other and we have to serve the church and that's very important um Mm -hmm. but at the same time like vulnerability is about me being willing to lean into you um right versus me being like it's okay you can lean on me that's not vulnerability right that's not um necessarily emotional health right um It doesn't speak to emotional health, at least. Like, I think people who are emotionally healthy can be like, no, it's okay. Lean on me like I've got you. Um, I think that's a very loving thing to do, but it doesn't speak to your, like, emotional functioning necessarily. People who are very unhealthy can also do that. What does speak to emotional functioning is my ability to say, like, hey, Crispin, I'm having a really hard day. And, like, can you be with me in that? Right? Um, So that's why I think it's asking the wrong question to think about who who is doing what and who's for who um mm-hmm. does that yeah, make sense makes me, yeah <laughs>
1: totally and in in terms of the marital submission um i can't it's been quite a while since i've had a conversation with someone who is a complementarian which i uh, that makes up your friend group hierarchicalist mm-hmm. um but uh but i i had a conversation at some point where someone's like well yeah w- What about when you want to move to California and your wife wants to move to Chicago? And I'm like, who makes the decision? I'm like, are you saying that if my wife does not want to move to California, that I should just drag her along? Like, you really think that's going to end well? And like, you really don't think that like two people that are in a relationship for their entire life can't figure out some sort of problem solving skills to figure out something that's going to work out well for both of them. Like, but it does, it does make me think about it is, we are, you know, we are two people, uh, or if it's us and the Trinity, I guess four people, uh, in relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
0: Yeah. Go on, Crispin.
1: But, uh, (laughs) Yeah, so we we are in relationship, but God is a wise other. God does yeah. know more than we do. And I think that is something that is is definitely valid when it's like I want to do this and God is like, "No, I would you know, I want you to do this or I'm going to lead you this way." But I think it's problematic when it's framed around because God wants to be glorified rather than because this is what is best for you. And I think within the laws of the universe, what like God is because God is love uh God is going to do what is best for us and also for our community because we're not individuals like what's best for me is also what's best for the rest of the world I'm kind of like I guess getting off on a tangent but I think that like when it look like as a white man right? Like what's best for me might mean losing some privilege and power, but that is still, that's best for the rest of society. That is best for me because I'm, if, if it's an unhealthy setting, like if I have more power than I should have, that's not, that's not a good thing for me. And then through that equity being worked out, God is glorified because God is, is a, god of justice and of equality and of of community and flourishing community and i think it becomes problematic when we like siphon it out like god's glory is over here and our needs are over here and we have to give up our needs like i think it's like yeah a problem with our theology in that way
0: yeah and i i think that i've talked about this before at least with you if not on this podcast um is that I'm a really, really big believer that that the the world and the universe is structured, right? Um, if I believe mm-hmm. in God as creator, then I believe in a God that has created the world that I live in, um, and that there is um, human fallibility um, and weakness, right, in the way that things happen. Um, you'll hear me talk a lot, so I I, um, I run a program for sexual coercion prevention. Um, sometimes we call it sex trafficking prevention, but we've sort of broadened it, right? Um, saying that, like, well, what we want is for young people to not have any experiences uh, of sexual abuse or coercion, and that, like, an ultimate version of that is trafficking. That's my little pitch. Um, but in that, you will often find me in the classroom talking to kids about how people who are abusive are insecure, right? Um, mm-hmm. That 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 is a lot of our... Um, Sinfulness and our ugliness is our, is actually our narcissistic tendencies, right? Um, Is our need to protect our image, our need to protect our pride, um, our need to be important, Um, right? I think we're all, we all have importance, but it's our need to be important that often drives us to being harmful to other people and to being self um self-involved and self-serving right because as soon as i need to be important then i need to be what i'm doing is saying i need to be more important and so therefore there has to be someone who's less important than me um and so this is where a lot of people's like really ugly choices come from um and so i i This is kind of a link back as we talk about the submission conversation to a lot of narcissistic family structure is deeply linked to patriarchy. Um, Men are significantly more likely to be on the narcissism spectrum. Um, and when women are on the narcissism spectrum, they function inside of and play to toxic masculinity statistically. Um, huh.
1: That is fascinating and not surprising.
0: And not surprising because what we're doing and how we create narcissists, right? Narcissists are, it's one of the personality disorders that is the most likely that you have You have a parent who's also a narcissist, right? Narcissism. Mm-hmm. But it's. Yeah. I, I don't think it's genetic, right? I think part of it probably mm-hmm. is, right? Um, I think kind of part of everything is genetic, but what is happening is that we're structuring things in this certain way. You're learning a way to be a family member. You're learning a way to be a man. You're learning a way to be a woman, right? That, that serves this particular idea. And then you're having some level of experience, which might be being raised in a narcissistic family. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. sort of triggering you into that same fragility. Um, And so we can't talk about narcissistic families without talking about the way that we have a patriarchal family structure in our country, um, which brings us to having a patriarchal family structure inside of the church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so why do we function in this way, right? A lot of people's experiences of just keep that quiet. um, Don't talk about that. It'll make the church look bad. It will make whatever happen often is linked to gender-based issues. Um, During the Me Too movement, there was uh, also a movement happening called Church Too, um, where people were talking about, I I mean, you could read, it's endless. It's an endless list of experiences of people being um, shut up when they try to talk about their experiences of abuse within the church structure. And the, the main theme that we see in that is that, we have to make sure the church looks good. It would hurt the ministry, right? It would hurt mm-hmm. the ministry. Um,
1: yeah, I actually uh, as a little pitch. Uh, if if this is something that's interesting to folks, um, I just interviewed Connie Baker on our other on my other podcast. Um, uh, the prophetic imagination we're talking about frank peretti um because in that book there are four different women that are possessed by demons to accuse men of abuse and so basically the whole thing is like the pastor is is, uh accused of abuse but it's because this demon um you know overtook this woman um and which is so problematic, but, um, Connie and I were talking, I interviewed my friend Connie, who is a, um, trauma, like religious trauma specialist. She's a yeah. therapist. Um, and, yeah. And she, she talked, we were talking about, um, Bill Hybels, um, oh, yeah. who's a big name in evangelicalism and abused, allegedly abused several women. I'm just saying allegedly because I don't know that like exact outcome. Um, And uh, we were talking about how nobody had to tell those women, don't say anything, because just within themselves, they had this idea of God is glorified through the success of this church, Mm -hmm. right? That nobody has to threaten them, like because of their own values of wanting to glorify God, they, you know, silence themselves, not, not, um, because of, like, the system that they're in, which I think, yeah. yeah, is, like, where this goes to the worst place is, like, when we think about, like, abuse um, and, and sexual abuse and pitting that against glorifying God.
0: Yeah, and and even to, um, to honor experiences that come with less of a gut punch. Yeah. Um, I I know countless women and, and men um who have had experiences in the church of <laughs> right? Like not even necessarily um I'm reporting someone for abuse, right? But I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, like I knew <laughs> I knew a gal in high school, right? That was where my like really churchy days was high school. I went to Bible college and high school was still churchier for me. Um <laughs> but um who you know was like just uncomfortable right didn't like how somebody was treating her um didn't like a comment that like a male leader had made and was mm-hmm. was like quite specifically like don't talk about that like that's not that's not worth talking about right that's not m- worth mentioning um yeah. And, you know, that that leader went on to be someone who had like had an affair. Right. It was like not, you know, an abuse situation to the best of my knowledge, Um, but it was someone who went on to have some really nasty behavior, um, some sort of disappointing behavior. Um, Or, you know, I had a youth pastor who had an affair and nobody talked about it right? It's like, we all know that this happened and it's just like, they're going to move to the next state. Um, Mm -hmm. and the the way that we hush things and the way that I would argue that we fail to glorify God, um, Mm -hmm. through, (laughs) what is it that treating him with kid gloves, right? Is that the phrase? Mm -hmm. Um, right. We, God is so much more than, and I I talk about this all the time, because this is really how I feel about a lot of these theologies. Um, is that that image of God is so incredibly small. Um, mm-hmm. The idea that God's pride or image could be damaged by anything we do is absolute hubris.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about, you're talking about examples that come with less of a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about um, uh, about a year ago um, I was at a church and um, had a concern about uh, some of the policies Um, and kind of the way the church operated um, around uh, specifically around queer people and their involvement in the church. Um, And, and I brought up this concern um, and said, Hey, I want to talk about this. And the pastor was like, well, you know, you just don't believe the Bible. Um, You uh, are um, kind of, what I heard was like, well, the Bible just isn't popular. And that's okay, because that's just, that's just the way that culture is going. Um, And really, like what happened in that moment was like, there wasn't a uh, ability to tune into like what was going on with me, which I think would be a good pastoral response to be like, hey, let me understand like what this means to you. Let me understand like why you're bringing this up. Like, I want to connect to you. Um, But I think if we don't, Have because of this patriarchal structure where we just have to like cling on to like the structure and the power and the way that things are and we can't allow a diversity of voices to enter the conversation because that's too threatening, right? Then it really does end up in this way that's that's really harmful and doesn't actually glorify God.
0: And I think another way that this manifests um, is through. (laughs) this is gonna sound strange but like unity is a real dog whistle phrase to me in the church um Mm -hmm. because often what i find people are doing is saying like let's not talk about difference or difficulty right um Mm -hmm. and this is a big thing that's used against people of color in predominantly white churches um even not predominantly like in non in churches that have white folks on leadership um Mm -hmm. and probably in churches that have white folks period right um it's a common enough kind of idea in racism and white privilege to to say like don't be like sort of negative right um or this Mm -hmm. isn't so bad or, or what have you um And it's just another version of the same thing, right? Um, Not to say that racism and sexism are, you know, the same issue, because they're they're certainly not. Um, Mm -hmm. They have different nuances. They have different histories. But um, that in the way that the church handles things, we often preach unity for the purpose of silence. Um, Mm -hmm. And that that is exactly, exactly how a narcissistic family functions, right? do the good thing for everyone by shutting your mouth um Mm -hmm. and how heartbreaking it is that the church is not always making a choice to heal people right because because what else are we going to church for (laughs) what else am I going to church for um if it's not healing and hearing the same things that you were taught as a child is certainly not healing. Um, through a like more Jesusy lens, um, just sprinkle some Jesus on top of the same old messages. Um, because right. the church is made of people. And that's like an old Christianese phrase, you know, that we often mm-hmm. try to mean as a positive thing. And I do mean as a positive thing. The church is made full of people. Um, it's structured by people. It's led by people. And when you find a really beautiful and wonderful community. Um, You should consider yourself lucky to be led by people who are trying really hard to listen to God, but they're still people um, and they're still going to do their people things and do what they were taught. Um, And so the church is always going to have these pitfalls, but it's not going to make strides towards being a more healing and attached right right now. Okay, so. I'm going to go on another rant. Are you ready, Crispin?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then
0: I'll, you should talk again, because sometimes I talk too much on our, <laughs> our podcast. Um, right Right now, everybody's talking about, like, connection, 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 because church is over Zoom, and I have had everyone I talked to this weekend, um, I, I had conversations with multiple people I don't talk to regularly, and everyone's like, so how's church? And I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> um, and they were all like, yeah, this isn't This doesn't feel good, right? Church over Zoom doesn't feel good. Um, And what was really interesting to me is that every single person I talked to, I've talked to maybe probably like 10 people about this at this point. um, Everyone had a different reason. Everyone had a different reason it wasn't working for them. And what I think that that speaks to is that in person, the connection and attachment right actual connection actual attachment relationship and response can meet like a numberless amount of needs right Mm -hmm. um if you're paying attention to other people but you can't do that over zoom right which is not the fault of churches who are trying to do that i think like still offering like biblical teaching is a it's a beautiful effort right um Mm -hmm. But to say that you cannot ultimately be relational by, like, sending a video out into the universe, right? Um, It's not going to work, and people are feeling that it doesn't work, but everyone's got different language for it because relationship is different for everyone.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Which is why when the church tries to do things in one particular way and doesn't listen and doesn't respond, people wind up burned out or leaving because what they're not getting is attachment. Right. They're Mm -hmm. not they're not having that experience of relationship and and a value on their emotional experience.
1: Right. Yeah. And it doesn't attunement does not mean that you just go with whatever people say, just like the same with parent, like parenting, like attunement doesn't mean that I just let my son eat cake for dinner (laughs) But it means that instead, like when he asked for a cake for dinner, I can shame him and be like, you're such a horrible kid. Why would you even think to ask that? Mm -hmm. Which some of us grew up in homes like that and now are afraid to ask for things. Um, Or I can be like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, I want you to be healthy. I want you to get the things that you need. And then maybe he'll throw a fit and I'll be like, I see that you're feeling really sad right now um what can we do to calm down or or do you need to spend some time in your room to calm down and he'll be like oh, no i just need to take a deep breath um <laughs> you know so but so i think cute. it relates to church when we think about attunement right and making space for emotions because that's really what secure attachment is about is like yeah tell me about what's going on how are you feeling what is going on here I can't promise that we're going to come to the same conclusion, but I can promise that I'm going to meet you in this place and be with you and be responsive.
0: Yeah. And what I love about listening to you talk about that is like when you're talking about your kid, I'm like, yeah, that's great parenting. What a a great dad you are, Crispin. Um, And then the second we start to talk about it with the church, I get this little bit of... um, like muscle memory, right? Uh, mm. Of like, but that's not what church is. Like, church isn't mm-hmm. about your feelings, Crispin. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: uh-huh. And I don't believe that. I actually think church is quite a bit about our feelings. Um, yeah. But I have, I have like this muscle memory experience because, like, mm-hmm. I'm a pastor's kid. Um, and when we moved, so this is fascinating. Um, when we moved to Colorado, right? I was raised in New Jersey. You can hear that in my voice sometimes. And then we lived mm-hmm. in Colorado. You can hear that in my voice sometimes. <laughs> um, when I was in high school and we went church shopping, which is the only time in my life I've ever gone church shopping. Um, I think it would be a good activity to do again, maybe, um, but maybe not call it church shopping. Um, <laughs> and I remember having all of these conversations about like what the value of church was, and um, which I'd like to remember as like a really great, cool experience. Um, but what I mainly remember, um, was judging like mm. w- how good worship was done. Um, and how, um, sort of like really biblical or not the sermon was, um, the church that we wound up going to my sister and I kind of made a vote for, cause it was cool. It was like a cool church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were teenagers and we wanted to go to cool church. Um, which was ultimately the reason, but I remember it being a thing of, like, okay, well, it's, it's like, pretty cool, but you know what? Like, you, there was really some, like, solid biblical teaching in there. Um, because we had gone to a church, and it was like, well, they didn't really reference scripture enough. We hear this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't reference scripture enough. It's too much about your feelings. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a TED talk, right? Uh, as though really thoughtful christianity does not integrate scripture into all of its movings that aren't necessarily in scripture right um i think I'd, i've talked about this before but like i rem- i have this really distinct memory of at some point someone telling me that there was wisdom outside of the bible mm-hmm. and it being like ground shaking right like i was like what what are you talking about you can't say that And and there is, there's so much wisdom (laughs) in scripture (laughs) that we can measure up against scripture if we really believe that it's inerrant and true. um, And that there was like, should there be, shouldn't there be space in the church to talk about those things? But when there's not, right, we limit both people's like emotional experience, we limit their literal experience, right, um, Mm -hmm. to only being able to do things that were um, written down in a book from many, many years ago um, that I think is good and full of incredible wisdom um not being anti the bible um yeah i just think about that of of how often we shame people for actually bringing emotional experiences into the church except for and i'm interested to hear what you say about this conviction Mm
1: -hmm. feeling
0: really bad is absolutely an emotion that's allowed to show up at church Or feeling blessed. Feeling bad or feeling blessed. Those are your options. (laughs)
1: You can feel bad or you can feel blessed. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's so, so very true. And I think that that is such a good question um, that I've brought up. I've wondered about a lot because I've gone, I've historically gone to churches where it's like, that was a good, good word. Like, you know, you're preaching if people are uncomfortable.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that one.
1: Right. And um i guess my question is like who are the people that are uncomfortable um (laughs) it's a really good question um and yeah it just it really this idea of like it's it's good if you're uncomfortable and then you end up leaving feeling bad right (laughs) and i think that that actually like really uh creates this like especially because church is the place where you meet god so then god becomes this like constant critic like, it's just, it just like any relationship when in your life. Like, of course, we need guidance. We need people that show us our blind spots. But if you, if you have that person that, like, every time you get together, like, their job is to tell you what you're doing wrong, like, that doesn't feel great. And that's going to, like, <laughs> going to whittle away some uh, trust over time.
0: Yeah, Crispin, what would you say about a therapist who does that? Whoever <laughs> their, their client shows up is like, here's all the ways you're you're screwing up this week.
1: Right, yeah, I would not, I would, I, I, I hesitate to say this. I have a colleague, who that is like her thing. She's like, you know, I, I just like kick people in the butt and get them moving.
0: A little Gestalt. She, uh.
1: Right, yeah, but she also sends me a lot of clients. She's like, it didn't really work with me, but I think they would be a good fit for you. Um, and really, like, what we can do when we make space for people's emotions is actually we can help them sort out some of these things. Right. So it doesn't mean that we just, um, take things at face value, but if we can create a space, a safe place, then we can, you know, like therapy, then we can look at like, what are the ways that I'm hurting myself and I'm hurting others? And why am I doing that? Right. That's, which is great, but that's really different than like, stop doing that. And you should feel bad for doing that. One last thing. Um, that I was thinking about around this topic of um, attunement versus narcissism, I guess you could say, um, is how, well, okay, so here's, here's a story from last month. Uh, a couple of months ago, there were these tornadoes. Um, there was a tornado in Tennessee, right? That killed um, like 25 people, hurt 300 people. Uh, It was a big thing when it happened, but then coronavirus happened and we forgot all about it, but it was like, you know, obviously a big thing and like destroyed whole communities. Um, And they were like looking through the wreckage and they found this Bible that was like untouched. And uh, they actually found three of them and like not a page was missing amidst all this destruction. And so uh, Franklin Graham Uh, not my favorite person took to Twitter, uh, Billy Graham's son, um, took to Twitter and was like, this shows that the word of God never fades. And it kind of makes you think like, okay, so, so this is something that God did. God decided to protect this Bible, these Bibles, but did not choose to protect human lives of which they are unique human lives, whereas, like, you know, the Bible is online. Don't worry, like, it's not going to be lost, God. Like, if if this copy of the Bible is destroyed, it's okay, we got others. But that's, like, that picture of, like, God being glorified somehow by this, like, the symbol or the image being preserved, right? And it, again, just, like, in this subtle way is, like, says like god cares more god cares more about the bible than he does human lives and i think that's like that is just again like undermines our trust of god um and we we just i think see a lot of that um in culture (laughs) or like in christian culture
0: yeah this is me bookmarking part of this conversation to say Maybe we could do an episode on the question of why good bad things happen to good people. Because I think that there's probably some really interesting attachment stuff on like, well, what do you do when a kid has a really good attachment? And then what happens, right? When, it, when somebody mm-hmm. has really good, like strong, secure attachment and something outside of the control of their parental figures happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's an important conversation and maybe would bring some, some much needed light to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's really the question here, right? It's like, well, what's most important to God? Um, I have a, right. a good friend who had left the church and we were having a really wonderful conversation about it. Um, and I was talking about kind of the value of why I've, I've stayed. Um, and he just looked me straight in the eyes. uh was a man of color and looked me straight in the eyes and was like, I just can't get behind a God who let 400 years of slavery happen. And I was like, mm. yes, like I, as a, as a white woman I have I have nothing to say to that and that's just the truth right like I don't have that um, I have other experiences in my life that I've tried to reconcile with that question um, but I can't reconcile that. Uh, I can try and point you towards people who have tried to reconcile it who are who are wiser than I am and have much more right to talk into that conversation um, but when when somebody <laughs> when somebody points to something and it's like this is God, protecting what's important um when people have died um mm-hmm. i i just honestly Crispin, i just i'm like well he's just an idiot like that's just like have you ever read your bible like ever right. ever um like do you do right, you know cause, anything
1: <laughs> right because that's basically what jesus does he shows up and he's like i mean the first example that comes to mind is is uh you know he says man was made sabbath was made for man not man for sabbath right like that's a really great example of like human lives and people are more important than the the religious structures and actually like i guess we're talking about serving right like i guess that actually like answers that question right god created these things not because he wants us to be like Oh, yeah, we're going to take off Sunday because—not that it was Sunday, but we're going to take off Sunday to, to show God glory, right? Actually, like, that tells me that God is glorified through us taking care of ourselves, through resting, right? And Jesus especially is, like, not only, like, is it people in general, but, like, let's look at how the religious establishment that's supposed to glorify God and meet God's needs is actually failing to meet the needs of the most vulnerable,
0: Absolutely. And I think another another um, what I would argue is a fallacy um, and people would tell me I'm wrong. So, you know, mm-hmm. sort of caveat on that. Um, what I would argue is a fallacy is the idea that um, <laughs> we, we have to protect biblical text because um, this is God's word and that's it. Like, I think it's wild to think that God only spoke to people for a certain limited amount of time. And I recognize that we sort of use the biblical text as a measure um, of how <laughs> correct people might be and what they're mm-hmm. claiming God says now. But, like, there, there's a weird arrogance in that one. Um, but it, but it is a narcissism, right? It's like, this is the one place God ever spoke. Um, and it's ours and we have to protect it. Um and there's, there's no one can do damage to it, but then we have a, the wildness of everybody interprets it a different way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, <laughs> I just, yeah, it, it just makes, that quote makes me sad, Crispin. Yeah. Makes me sad. It makes mm-hmm. me sad for, for Frank and Graham,
1: honestly. Mm-hmm.
0: um, It makes me really sad that um, it's, it just sounds makes me sad. <laughs> I don't yeah. have more words for that. I'm, I'm done with the words. I'm just sad about it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that we got to talk about this. I was yeah. thinking um, maybe we'll take a break and Ooh. talk about Frozen <gasps> and attachment because we've talked yes! about doing that, right? I think that would be a fun like.
0: Would that be fun for y'all? Because we'd have yeah. a great time. We love Frozen.
1: <laughs> right.
0: However, I'm just gonna just going to tell our listeners, I'm sure I've told you this Christmas, there was um, one, I think it was the first year I was in grad school, um, mm-hmm. and me and my roommate Emily referenced earlier, um, watched Frozen, I think, every day that winter. We watched it every single day. We were sad. Um, and Frozen listened, helped us through.
1: I listened to it every single day because Ramona was maybe three or four oh. in- One of the soundtrack and also a couple of years ago, I went to Disneyland uh, with Danielle for our 10 year anniversary and uh, it's like Frozen the Musical. Oh, we didn't see that. And it was like just when I was starting to like read attachment research and stuff and I'm like bawling in there. I have
0: to lean so far away from my mic. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause like the, I mean, yeah, we'll have to talk about it. So, I mean, yes. this is meant to be, cause we obviously there. both have a passion for. The feelings about for Frozen. Frozen. Right. It's not yeah. like a
0: timely reference, but you guys will love it. You're going to have a right, great
1: yeah. time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, and we'll also uh, keep going with theology as well, but yeah, just a little like pause. Cause you know. Yeah talking about attachment and the ways that the church that we as the church are failing, is, you know, kind of depressing.
0: Yeah, it is depressing. Um, but talking about frozen is fun. And Mm -hmm. on a note, maybe a good closing note is yes, it is. Like I said, it makes me feel very sad and disappointed to hear people who are being widely listened to, um, Sort of disrespect the emotional and human experience of people they claim to love and be family with. I think they do, they are family with. I would argue they don't necessarily love. However, if we are sort of honoring anti narcissistic tendencies, talking through, mourning, emoting, and being honest about ourselves and our experiences in the church and the way that the church has harmed us and the way that we have done harm is exactly how we counteract that. So Mm
1: -hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's great. You hit it, hit the nail on the head. Boom. (laughs) Uh, So um, we'd love, I've really enjoyed the emails I've gotten so far. Um, You can send us emails. (laughs) Okay. I've gotten like four. And one of them I need to talk to you about.
0: Crispin's never showed me these emails. So say in your emails that you want Crispin to show them to me.
1: Yeah. Amy, I'm just like, hey, let's record. And then, yeah, I do everything else, which is, you know, kind of the way I roll. Um, But, yeah, send us pictures. Send us questions. I don't know. Let me tell you. I have seen – I'm not even going to tell you how many clients I've seen –
0: it's been a long I, quarantine folks
1: yeah uh send us questions if you have them um because we love this conversation uh at attached at gmail.com um and yeah we're gonna keep going
0: sounds right. good bye folks bye